Ah, the epistle of James. Lutherans tend to get allergic to reading it, let alone hearing a sermon from it. Why? Ah, James chapter 2. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. That ought to be enough to make us nod our heads in approval with Martin Luther, who called the epistle of James an epistle of straw. He also said it's a good book, but it sets up no doctrines of men because it sets up no doctrines of men, but vigorously promulgates the law of God. Yeah, that's enough to make us good and allergic. When James says, show me your faith and I'll show you my works. Mm, Lutherans, aha, caught You are saved by works and not by faith. Huh? So says James. Well, maybe he doesn't actually say that. Because there is always two sides to every story. James, yeah, he might be an epistle of straw. But James is also an epistle of faith. A key to understanding not just this verse from James chapter 2. Any of the verses that we've heard tonight from James chapter 1. The whole book itself. A key to understanding this epistle is to understand that James is writing to an audience who already believes Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. He calls them the twelve tribes in the dispersion echoing Old Testament language of the 12 tribes of Israel who have been scattered abroad. A clue to why his audience has been scattered abroad comes early in today's epistle reading. Count it all joy, my brothers, says James, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Some scholars place the date of this epistle not long after the stoning of St. Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Stephen's stoning began a period of severe persecution for followers of the way, as Christians were known at that particular time. Reading the epistle of James while understanding the context under which he wrote this epistle brings us a lot of comfort as we listen to his words to those who are ready to suffer, even to death, for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And that enough right there is to make us think this is really an epistle of straw. How am I supposed to count it all joy when I am suffering? Perhaps you have already signed off on the Packers season because you cannot stomach them playing bad football. Comparing sports, though, to the Christian faith is foolishness. You see the point, though, don't you? When persecution comes upon a Christian, the last thing you want to do is consider it a joy to suffer for Christ's sake. The apostles, though, counted it joy to suffer for Christ's sake. Every opportunity they took to preach the gospel was all joy. They were allowed to speak Christ's saving death and resurrection to someone. The Jewish authorities tried to silence their witness. Some Roman authorities listened to what they said, but they never really believed what they said. And there were others who were ready to do whatever it took to silence their preaching, even if it meant to kill the messenger. The model witness, or martyr, 
as the word is in Greek, which is a word that means witness. The model martyr in the New Testament who counted it all joy to suffer was St. Stephen himself. Perhaps that's why James writes what he does to open his epistle. St. Luke records Stephen's death in Acts chapter 7. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. It's interesting to note that Stephen has a feast day, just like James, that we're celebrating this evening. James, the brother of Jesus, James the just, as he's often called. Stephen's feast day, surprise, surprise, is December 26th. No soon as we wish you a Merry Christmas have gone out of our mouths that into our ears come the stoning of Stephen. That's how the good news of Jesus Christ is received by some in this world. Christ the Savior is born, pick up a stone and stone the guy because he dared say Jesus is Lord. Do you notice here, and when God willing will hear this account, when Stephen has his time on the calendar, did you notice here that Stephen not once says, cut it out! He doesn't even hold their sin against them. The guy is ready to die. Not only that, he's ready to forgive. Stephen stands firm to the end. And he receives a martyr's crown. Those who suffer for the sake of Jesus count it all joy to meet trials of various kinds. That's you and me. Perhaps it is not so much persecution that concern us, but it's always kind of there in the background. And it seems like every year it creeps on us a little more. All of us every day bear various crosses, burdens. For some of us, it is unrighteous anger. And that's the one that comes out about every two years around this time of the year. Unrighteous anger. I'm going to vote for that candidate and not that candidate. Oh, you are? Well, I'm going to vote against your candidate just to show you just how foolish you are. And then that just starts the war again. But it is not just limited to election season. It's any season. Unrighteous anger. Now that social media has opened up our lives to everybody, or so it seems, anytime we get angry about something, we're quick to let others know about how angry we are. To the person who cut me off on the belt line the other day, I have a message. I can't say the rest of it because I'd have to bleep it out. Unrighteous anger. For others of us, it is shame and it is guilt. We live with sin. There are some sins, even though they are forgiven, the the consequences and the remembrance of it is so much. And it leaves us with shame and guilt that even years or decades later, we're saying to ourselves, gracious sakes alive, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I wouldn't have done that. I know it's forgiven, but boy, it's hard to forget. All of these are not unpardonable sins. They're all covered under Christ's blood, paid in full. The pain, though, remains, often for the rest of one's life, especially if you have to deal with unrighteous anger. It's not easy. 
to unclench a fist. Jesus, though, counted it all joy to suffer and die for your sins. He met a trial that none of us should ever have to go through. He was the scapegoat for every sin of every human being who has ever lived, living now, or will live. And never once did he waver. He didn't gripe about it to his father, and he, was, he didn't, never said about you and about me, they're so unjust that they'll just take it for granted, Lord. Can I stop this and just come and sit at your right hand and be done with it? Never once did he think it a fool's errand to die an innocent death for the sake of guilty people. He did our father's will all the way to Calvary, through the tomb, and to his father's right hand. And he did this for your sake, your singular, for you, because he loves you. The privilege is yours, beloved, to meet various trials, especially the trials that come for the sake of clinging to Jesus as your only hope for salvation in a world that doesn't want to hear it. In fact, it wants to hear everything else except this. Why? Because it is the truth. That's why. It's the truth. And in those trials, you have the opportunity to speak the truth, the hope that is in you for eternal life. Your joy, your hope is Christ Jesus. He's made it possible for you to die a Christian death, to fall asleep in Jesus' wounds with the confidence that when again you open your eyes, you shall see your Savior face to face. Because James says so in the last verse of today's epistle. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. You may not have to die a martyr's death like Stephen, or that all the apostles except for John the Evangelist. All the apostles get to wear, have a feast day in which I get to wear red, except for John. He's the only one that died a natural death. The rest of them all died, some of them in very bloody and awful ways. St. Peter, legend has it, he was crucified upside down at his own request so that his death would not be compared with Jesus's. Paul, Roman citizen, we don't crucify Roman citizens. We chop their head off. And that's what happened to Paul, had his head chopped off. There are others, too, who died even more gruesome deaths. You will, however, have your trials. (laughs) Now, if we compared them... To those of the disciples, if we compare them to those of the saints of the early church, uh, they pale in comparison. But yeah, there are those days that make you say, well, hell. That's when you cling to Jesus. That's when you stop and say a few words to him. To ask for his help, to ask for his pardon because he's quick to give it. When you cling to Jesus in every trial, your steadfastness has what James calls its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Where's my perfectness and perfectness and completion, Pastor? <laughs> I sure would like to have it now. You will. You will. In the resurrection, you will. It's yours now, but not in its fullness. We've got to wait for it. But it's worth waiting for James's words to you today, beloved, are not words of straw. They're words of faith. These are words 
that are about faith and a faith that is founded on the chief of the corner, Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. Faith for St. James and for you does not merely know Jesus like someone would know Jesus as the answer to a confirmation question or a trivia contest. Faith, you see, is a lively trust in the God who has made forgiveness a reality for you. The ancient Christians believed that reality and the preaching they heard, and they had to suffer much, much more than we will. You also believe that reality today, for you have seen in various trials how the Lord God has brought you through them all, so count it all joy. Count it all joy to suffer everything for the sake of Jesus Christ, even when your faith in him is that of a tiny spark or even more so a mustard seed. You can put one, maybe two or more mustard seeds on your pinky nail. And you would look at them and say, even that small? Jesus talks about it, the faith of a mustard seed, even that small. Was he lying? No. He's telling the truth again. That mustard seed, that tiny spark you see, is perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Because it holds fast to Jesus Christ, our crown of life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.